0: you're in that situation now. Maybe you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed with school right now. It's been like online school. Everybody's had to do homeschool. And maybe that's been a little bit overwhelming to you. Or maybe you're feeling overwhelmed with your job situation. Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed with your marriage uh, situation that's going on right now. And and maybe all of this is sort of piling up on you. And you're feeling overwhelming. And it's almost making you feel like you want to give up. And some even to give up on God. But I would tell you today that you shouldn't do that, and God has a scripture packed full of experienced people who have been through similar things like we're going through, things that make us feel overwhelmed. And one of those people that we want to talk about today is a guy by the name of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, I want to give you a little background of him. Nehemiah was actually taken captive out of his homeland in uh, Jerusalem, And he was taken into a foreign land, and there he was basically made into a slave. But Nehemiah worked very hard, and he earned the trust of the people of that country, so much so he became the king's cupbearer. Now, what is a cupbearer? A cupbearer is someone that would actually taste the king's food and also taste the king's drink before he did, because the king had a lot of enemies and his, his enemies actually would uh, try to poison his food and drink. So, so the cupbearer would drink that first. And the king would wait and say, okay, well, uh, if he doesn't die, then I can eat the food. And so if Nehemiah went, the king didn't eat it or drink it. That was funny right there. Yes, it was. <laughs> and so, so Nehemiah has is, is worked his way up. And Nehemiah hears something that overwhelms him. He hears about his homeland, how that there's been a a group of Jews that's went back home and they're trying to live in the city and the walls of their city have been torn down and the gates have been torn down. And so because they have no defensive mechanism around them, their enemies are coming in and stealing from them, keeping them poor and and taking their children. And it was just horrifying to him and he was so overwhelmed. And so he asked the king could he go to his homeland for a short time and see if he could help rebuild the walls? And he does that. He goes on his journey. Now, I want to tell you the reason Nehemiah did that is because Nehemiah learned a lesson that you and I must learn right now, and that is this. He learned that he had to feed his faith and starve his fears. And so I want to challenge you today to say that with me over and over. And I want you to get that in your heart and in your spirit. And I want you to have that today. So it's coming up on the screen. And, and listen, I want you to wake your neighbors up when we say this, all right? I want you to say it so loud. You gotta get it in that, get it inside of you. So let's say it together. Ready? Come on, here we go. I must feed my faith and starve my fears. Come on, come on! wake wake your teenager up that's still asleep right now. Let's say it again. You ready? Come on. Let's say it out loud. Here we go. One more time. I must feed my faith and starve my fears. I must feed my faith and starve my fears. That is the key to right now living and facing the future that is ahead of us. Now, we're talking about how to have a comeback when you feel like giving up. So I want to give you a little background, and I'm going to give you three things today that are going to help you. And help me as we're making our comeback. First of all, Nehemiah has made his way down uh, to the area of Judah in Jerusalem area. He's made his way down there. He's rallied the people. He's told them, we can do this. And sure enough, they start working on the walls and they begin to make progress on the walls. And, but all of a sudden, the enemies on the outside, get, they get mad about it because they know they're not going to be able to rob from these people anymore. And so they start threatening them, saying, we're going to come in and we're going to attack you guys. And so Nehemiah has to make some changes. And I want to share with, this with you. So the first thing that I think we should do when we want to have a com- comeback, we feel like giving up, is this. Would, would you look at this with me? Number one is this is recognize, or reorganize, I should say, reorganize whatever is not working. Look what Nehemiah did here. So, Nehemiah stationed armed guards at the most vulnerable places of the wall and assigned people by families, notice that, by families with their sword, lances, and bows. Now, what what was he doing? So, Nehemiah was actually, he said, okay, They're threatening to attack us, so we got to have a plan. So his plan was this. His plan was, I'm going to let half the people work, and then the other half the people are going to stand guard. And then about midday, we're going to swap. The people that are standing guard are going to work, and the people that are working are going to stand guard. And so he had to change his plan. And I would just say, listen, if you're going through something right now and it's not working, maybe you need to just change your plan. Don't quit. Don't give up. Just change your plan. When Ron and I uh, got married, I would say to you that we did not have a plan. Our plan of marriage was survival. That's it. Just survive. Now, we had a lot of, we had a lot of plans on, for our wedding day. We planned that out. I mean, months in advance, we planned that out. But after we got married, we had no plan after that. We we had no uh, relationship plan, how it was going to get better. We had no financial plan, and we certainly had no health plan, that's for sure. We had no plans for our health. And so we've had to work on those things through the years. About 10 years ago, I began to put on weight, and my cholesterol went pretty high. And so my doctor said, Jeff, you've got to make some changes. You've got to change your plan." Because the plan that I had before was uh, sweets. I'm a sweet connoisseur. I mean, like, Little Debbie's is all about it, you know? I'm all about Little Debbie's. And so our house was packed with Little Debbie's and things like that. And so Rhonda and I come up with this plan, and it was a plan that we call Fat Friday. That means this, that we got rid of all the sweets out of our house. We try to eat pretty well through the week, but on Fridays, it's all like Donkey Kong. I mean, it's on. I'm talking about a good, fat Friday looks like this. Now, Friday's our day off, so, so I'm telling you, a good, fat Friday looks like going to crack a Barrel and having Mama's Pancake Breakfast. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Amen? And then finishing the day with a, with a Dairy Queen Blizzard. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That is what I'm talking about a fat Friday looks like. And so uh, and that's worked very well for us. It's worked really well. So I was telling a, a, a mentor of mine who is a little older than me and, and struggles uh, being borderline diabetic, and he was trying to you know, get a plan. I said, hey, Fat Friday works well for us. What, you know, I told him all about it. He said, Jeff, that sounds so good, it sounds so good. I said, you know what? I think I'm gonna try something like that. He said, but I tell you what, I'm not as disciplined as you, so I'm not gonna be able to do just Fat Friday. I'll do the days that start with T's. I said, okay, Tuesday and Thursday. I said, you mean Tuesday and Thursday? He said, no, today and tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Fat fry. He had fat every day. That's what he said. But what I want to share with you is this. Nehemiah said to his people, he said, listen, you've got to have your families around you. Why? Because you need a support system. We all need a support system. And that's why the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25, look what it says. He says this. Some people have gotten out of the habit of meeting for worship. Would you read those next six words out loud? Let's read them together. Ready? Come on. But we must not do that. And I just want to challenge you because I know that probably watching service online at the same time every week has gotten old. I'm sure that when the beginning of this pandemic happened, pulling your family around a television or a computer screen to watch the service was what you did. But I'm sure by now that maybe that habit is starting to fade. And I want to encourage you, keep up the habit. I want to say, keep it up, because you need the encouragement of your church family. And so it won't be many days we're going to start meeting back together. But for those of you that can't come, that you're medically fragile, I want you to know that we're still going to be here for you as well. So understand that. Keep that habit up. And he goes on to say this. He said, we should keep on encouraging each other, especially since you know that the day of the Lord's coming is getting closer. Can I get an amen on that, somebody? Amen. We know that Jesus is going to come, and we believe that we are one day closer to that. Every day we live, we're one day closer to that. And especially this pandemic has got our attention. But I want, to be, I want to tell you about me that, listen, the church is important. And the church has been so important in my life. The man that you see right now would not be the man he is without the church. I wouldn't be it. Let me tell you something, We, the, when I told you that Rhonda and I got married, we didn't have any plans, well, there was one plan that we had because our church gave it to us, and that was a spiritual plan, and that was that you read your Bible, and you pray, and you go to church, and we had that one down, and that was a foundation that we needed, or we wouldn't have made it, but I can tell you, the church didn't just teach me to read the Bible, and to pray, and to go to church. The church taught me about, uh, about relationships, about how to get better in marriage, and how how many times have we been to, to small groups. It's been a group, small group meeting about marriage that helped us get better. And the church has taught us how to get better financially. How that we went through financial peace and learned how to, to get our house in order. The church has taught me a lot. And the church has taught me how to be healthy. I'm telling you today, I'm standing here because the church has made me better. I know there's a lot of naysayers out there that
1: say, well, you know, the church is not that good. Well, I want to tell you, I stand here today and tell you that I'm the man I am because the church of Jesus Christ has made me better.
0: Amen. Amen, everybody. The church has made me better and it will make you better. And that's why I'm a a proponent of the church. And right now through this pandemic, we've realized that we need each other more than ever and we can't live without each other. We need that. We need that. And if you're wondering why I'm preaching better today is because I got some people in here that's encouraging me today, the church. And it's exciting. And I just want you to know that you should be a part of that. And and listen, I know that people are saying, economists are saying over the next couple months, it's going to be a little rocky financially. Why don't you go ahead and get a plan for that now? Because our church wants to help you. You can sign up for Financial Peace Group right now. You can sign up. Matter of fact, just Type it in that you'd like to sign up for a group or on that connection card. Whatever you like to do, we will get you in a group that you can be prepared for when the storm comes. And let me tell you something. When you're prepared and the storm comes, it makes a world of difference. Everybody else is rocking and reeling and shaking, but you're not because you're ready. And I want you to be ready for whatever comes your way. And so I want you to do that. And so you can sign up for a group, for a summer group, just to be connected with people. You need it. And I want to challenge you because the church has made a difference. And let me just say this. Listen, you know, we want you to be connected to a church. We call that membership, being connected to a church. You say, how do I do that, Pastor Jeff? I'll tell you, we have something called Growth Track. We say that growth track helps your life get on track because it starts off with connectivity to people that are spiritually like-minded. And we want to challenge you. Why don't you sign up right now? Why don't you just type in, I want to take growth track so that we can help you get your life on track. Amen, everybody? Amen? Amen? Amen. And so God is wanting to move in you. Now, I want us to say this statement again. And again, if your teenagers are still asleep and they're at home, wake them up. And if if, you know what, raise your windows right now and let the neighbors think you're going crazy. Make them call 911 because you said this so loud. Let's say it together. Ready? Come on, let's say it again. Here we go. I must feed my faith and starve my fears. That's right. I got to feed my faith and starve my fears. So the second thing I would say that we can learn on how to have a comeback when we feel like giving up is number two is refocus on God. Refocus on God. And that's exactly what Nehemiah's challenge was, is trying to get his people to refocus on God. So look what he says to them. Then he says, as I looked over the situation, I called together the leaders of the people and said to them. Now remember, the enemy is saying, we're coming in. We're going to attack. They were scared. And would you read out loud the next three words? Would you read that? You ready? Come on. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the enemy, and then the next three words, let's read them, you ready, come on. Remember the Lord, who is great and glorious. Amen, everybody? God is great and glorious. And what I would like to share this with you is that, listen, right now, Oh, the the outlook. Everybody's talking about the outlook. Well, the outlook for the next quarter, the outlook for the remainder of the year, the outlook for this. is They're talking about all this stuff, and it's all negative. It's all, day, it's all bad news, right? Let me tell you something. If you get caught up in just what the outlook, what everybody's saying the outlook is, and what you think in your mind is going to happen, you'll be depressed. You'll be anxious. So I want to challenge you today. Listen, let go of the outlook and change it to an outlook and begin to look at God and say, God, I know you got this. God, I know you're going to get me through this. And I know I can trust you. And I know that, Lord, you're going to be with me. And I know, God, that you change things in a moment. It doesn't matter what man says, oh God, because you have the final word. Amen. (laughs) Amen, everybody. Amen. God's got the final word. You see, when I remember that God is near, there is no fear. Mm, 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 that's a good one right there. That's worth retyping, isn't it? When I remember that God is near, there is no fear. Yeah, there was a guy in the Bible also had a book written after him or about him. His name is Jonah. If you don't know the story of Jonah, it's pretty interesting. God came to a guy named Jonah. He said, Jonah, I want you to go to a city called Nineveh, and I want you to preach about me you know what Jonah responded to God was? Heck no, I won't go. I ain't going. He might not have even said heck. I don't know what he said, but he was He said, I ain't going. And so you know what Jonah did? Jonah ran down to the, to the seaport and he ran down there and found the first ship that was going the opposite direction. Nineveh said, I'm getting out of here. I'm not going. I'm going the opposite direction. And he ran down there and he got on a little fishing ship. And they started out and, and Jonah hitched the ride with them and joined the crew, and they got out there in the ocean, and all of a sudden, those fishermen that were experienced fishermen had never seen a storm like that. And let me tell you something, when you're going through a storm that you've never seen before, you might not be spiritual, but all of a sudden, you start asking spiritual questions. Just like in this pandemic right now, you know, we're asking, what's going on with the world? And they begin to ask, say, hey, listen, what's going on? Have you offended your God? Have you offended your God? You know, they just started saying, hey, somebody offended God. And finally, they got to Jonah, and Jonah said, it's me. I, I've offended my God. And they said, man, what have you done? And he told them, said, God wanted me to go to Nineveh, but I said no. And he said, the only way that this storm's going to settle is that you throw me overboard. And the men didn't want to do it, but they finally they threw Jonah overboard, and sure enough, the seas calmed down. And about that time that that Jonah was about to drown, God sent a big fish and swallowed Jonah. I know that that sounds crazy, doesn't it? God was doing Hollywood way before there was Hollywood. He sent a big big fish and swallowed Jonah. And when he swallowed Jonah up, guess what? In the belly of that whale, the Bible says that Jonah did this. Look what it says. Jonah says this, Jonah 2 and 7, When I had lost all hope, When I had lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord. When I lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord. And my earnest prayer went to you, Jonah said. He said, it was when I was in the belly of the whale that I found out that I thought I was. it was all over for me. But even inside of the belly of that big fish, he said, I prayed, oh God, and you heard me from the lowest part of my life. Listen, what is God saying? That you can be on the bottom of the seafloor, and if you cry out to God, he'll be there. Or you can be in, you can be in an airplane uh, 40,000 feet high, and you've called out to God, he'll be there. Wherever you call out to God, he's always there. Amen, everybody? Amen. And you know what I found out though about Jonah is this, is that Jonah was running from God. And you see right now, see that storm come up to get Jonah's attention. So he quit running from God because God had a plan, a good plan for Jonah. And and so so here's what I would say to you. Stop, stop running from God's plan. And once you turn and run into God's hands, oh, stop running from God's Stop running from God's plans, and why don't you run back into God's hands because His hands are right there, and His plans are good for you to prosper you and to give you hope and a future. Amen, everybody? Amen? That's what God's plans is. Watch this. You see, the problem with people that are running from God is this. The thing that I've discovered, the people that are running from God are the most miserable people I know. I mean, they're miserable. You see, the people that are running from God are always anxious always angry, and definitely obnoxious. (laughs) You just thought about somebody, didn't you? (laughs) That's right. They're anxious, they're angry, and they can be obnoxious. And I want to tell you today, maybe you find yourself being anxious. I want to ask you something. Are you running from God? The first question you should ask yourself, are you running from God? Maybe, you know what, maybe you're a Christian right now. And the truth of the matter is, is that you've been running from God's plan. And you're miserable. And God has been speaking to you through this time of pandemic. And the only way that the storm's going to subside in you is that you quit running from God's plans and you run into God's hands. That's a word of God for you. There's some of you that are watching right now. The truth of the matter is, is that you've just been running from God, period. You you know all about Jesus, and you know about it, but you have been running. You've been spending your life running. You know, you're a teenager that's been running, or maybe you're a young adult that's been running, or maybe you're a a person that's got a little age on you that's been running. You've just been spending your life running from God, and you're miserable, and you're making everybody else miserable and God is saying I want to save you from you. So I want to right now give you that opportunity. Stop running. Today's the day you stop running. And how do you do that? Spiritually this is what you do is you say, "Dear Lord Jesus, come on, would you say it with me? Dear Lord Jesus, come into my life and save me. I need you. Forgive me for my sins." I know, Jesus, that you died on the cross. I believe that, and that you rose again from the dead. And, Father, I just right now ask you in the name of Jesus, Jesus, just come in and save me right now. That's all you got to do is say, save me, and he'll hear you. And if you said that prayer, I just want to congratulate you for saying, Jesus, come in my life. Matter of fact, everybody in the room, can we just give everybody a hand that just did that? God saw you right in your living room. I want you to do something with me. The Bible says that you should text or you should tell. <laughs> and yeah, they're laughing. The Bible said you should tell. And the way we do that right now is by texting. Because I, I can't talk personally to you right now as far as you talking back to me. But the one way that we can is to let somebody know is we want you to text. Text the words following Christ. So that number you see on your screen, four four nine one three two six five four. 2654 And when you do, I want to send you a book. It's a book I wrote just for you. It's your next steps as a Christ follower. It's what the name of the book is. I wrote it just for you so you'll know what to do. And I want to challenge you. If you'll just text me, I'll send this to you free of charge, no strings attached. I just want to get the books to you. That's it. We're not going to ask you for anything. Just want to get the book to you so we can help you in your journey. Amen, everybody. Amen. God's doing a work in your life. Okay, let's say it again. Well, we're going to say it one more time after this one, but let's just say it one more time. This statement again, raise raise the roof on your house, your bedroom, wherever you are, your car. Let's say it. You ready? Come on. Here we go. I must feed my faith and starve my fears. I must feed my faith and starve my fears. The third thing is this. Remember, Nehemiah is trying to rebuild the walls and And the enemy's trying to attack, and he's had to refocus everybody on God. And the third thing is this, is resist the discouragement. Because when things get tough, we tend to get discouraged. He goes on and says this in verse 14, fight for your brothers and your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. In other words, fight for your family. Fight for the people around you. Fight for them. You see, in order to fight this fight, we have to have an, a positive attitude and a positive spirit. And that's a little bit difficult to do right now, isn't it? Because of the negative environment. Let me just say this to you. A negative outlook never looks, leads to a positive life. Let me say that again. A negative outlook never leads to a, leads to a positive life. It just doesn't do it. Do you want to know, know how to have a positive life? Let me tell you something. You start with Romans 8, 28. This is is where a positive life comes. Look what he says. He says this. This is a positive faith. And we know that in all things God works. Amen, everybody? In all things, God works. He works in pandemics. He works in a divorce that you didn't ask for. He works in that. He he works in a job that you just got laid off from. He works in that. He works in your finances. He works in things that you didn't even ask for. He works in those things. In all things, God's at work. Amen? He's at work. God's at work. In all things, God works for the good to those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Now, in order to have a positive attitude, this is something that I've had to do, and I want to challenge you to do, is that you have to think about what you think about. Let that set it. You've got to think about what you think about if you're going to overcome discouragement. You have to think about what you think about. Here's here's something I wrote down. Listen to this. What What consumes your mind will control your life what consumes your mind will control your life also i'll tell you this the emotions you're feeling right now are the results of the thoughts that you're thinking so if you're thinking anxious thought you're going to feel anxious if you're thinking worrisome thoughts you're going to be worried if you're, thinking, if you're thinking joyful thoughts, then you're going to be joyful. So the thoughts that you're thinking are controlling that. And I will just tell you, in the environment that we're in right now, that's very, very difficult to do, right? Because everybody's spewing out negativity. I would say this to you. Pessimists tend to view negative situations as personal and permanent. A person who's negative all the time, they think, oh, well, this has just happened to me. It's personal. It's just happened to me. They think, well, this pandemic's just happened to me. No, this pandemic's not just happening to you. It's just happening. Amen. And you have to be living on planet Earth at this time. And then they think it's permanent. Oh, it's never going to get better. Never going to get better. Oh, it's going to be like this forever. We're going to be wearing masks the rest of our lives. <laughs> I want you to know that is not true. Because, let me tell you, some, some of the greatest words in the Bible is it came to pass. <laughs> it came to pass. Hallelujah. And I want you to know that we're going to look back in a few days, we're going to say, and that came to pass. Look what the Lord has done. I want to tell you that, that you have to have a better outlook. You have to have a better outlook by having a good outlook. You know, and, and again, most of us have a natural tendency we're born with a natural tendency to lean into the negative, and we have to fight for the uh, uh, attitude of faith. I want us to read our, our uh, statement one more time, and let's say it out loud. You ready? Come on, let's say it. You ready? I must feed my faith and starve my fears. I know that you look at people like me, and you say, well, man, I wish I had faith like that guy does all the time. Let me tell you something. I have to fight for faith. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very pragmatic person. I'm a realist. And so my mind naturally goes into hearing the worst news and then taking the worst-case scenario and planning, about, planning on the worst-case scenario to protect myself and my family. That is exactly the way my mind goes if I let it. But I can't live my life like that because if I lived my life like that, I would be in a bunker somewhere. And I would, you know, I I, I would just not be, I'm I'm miserable when I begin to live like that. So I have to fight for faith. I have to keep fighting and fighting for faith. And, you know, our church has been closed like many of us as far as meeting on site. And today, what a blessing it is to have some of our impact team uh, people here with us. Again, you've made me better today. So everybody out there just says, thank you. You've made me better. But I, uh, again, as I was thinking about this this week, it's, it's amazing. I woke up Monday morning with this on my mind about, well, people have gotten out of the habit. I have mean, have been to church over two months. They've gotten out of the habit of that. And, you know, will our church ever be what it was? And is it going to be like that? How is it going to be? And again, the negativity just began to consume my mind. And I began to be a little anxious about it. But one of the habits that my church taught me was to read your Bible. And so every morning at 6 a.m., the first thing I do before anybody talks to me is I let God talk to me by reading the Bible. And I've almost read the Bible through. You know, I did like a year, it took me like a year and two months to read it. I'm on the last chapters of the Old Testament. And so I'm just reading now, and I'm like, okay, I'm reading because I'm almost at the finish line of reading the Bible through, and I'm like, I've won, you know, I did it again. And so I'm in those last little, they're called the, the minor prophets, I'm in those, so I'm just, I'm just reading, and to be transparent, I'm not like, I'm not really paying attention as much as I probably should while I'm reading, I'm just reading because I'm almost at the finish line. And I get to go say, Rhonda, I read the Bible through again, there we go, again, and I'll start over and I'll do it again for the next year. And I turn to this book called Haggai, and I'm reading it, and I think, okay, it's not that long. I'll just get through this pretty quickly this morning. And I give, by the way, a book in the Bible is only a couple chapters, and a chapter is just a, real small. So I read Haggai 1, chapter 1, takes me like two minutes, flip over to chapter 2, and I'm like, okay, I started chapter 2, and then all of a sudden I got to verse number 8, and God spoke to me. because I was so concerned about what the future of our church would look like and the church as a whole in the world. This is what God said to me, and I want to share this with you today. Haggai 2 and 8, look at what God said. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's army. (laughs) The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory. Amen, somebody? Hallelujah, hallelujah, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, will, I, the Lord of heaven's army, have spoken. And God sealed the deal and said, I've said it. I want you to know that as I was sitting there that morning in that chair that I read my Bible in, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit, as I I run across those words, God stopped me and said, this is a promise for Stockbridge Community Church. I want you to know for those of you that have thought that our best days were behind us, he said you're wrong. That the future glory, the future
1: anointing, the future blessing that, that I have on your church is greater than any that you've ever experienced before. And listen, the vision that God put in our heart, of the next generation, our children will rise up. Our kids, our sons and daughters are going to come home, and our community is going to rise up. Our nation will get better. Why? Because God said the future glory for the church is greater than the past glory. You can go to the bank on it, my friend. God said I seal it. I have spoken it. You can count on it. God's not done with us. God's just getting started. God's moving in our land. God's getting ready to pour out His Spirit like never before. Get ready for the glory of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God said it. I'm going to do it. Listen, you think that, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do because they're saying they're going to lay me off. I can tell you that in your house, not just in this house, the word temple is another word for house, but I want you to know that you're the temple of God. You're the house of God and that you can expect the future glory in your life is going to be better than the past glory. You know, financially, you're going to be better. As a family, you're going to be better. Relationally, you're going to be better. There's a better day ahead. I'm telling you that God's got this, and we're going to march into the future with the power of Almighty God. He's going to go with you every step of the way. He hasn't left you. He's got a greater day ahead for you. We're not going to give up. We're not going to step back. God Almighty's got this. Amen, everybody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God Almighty's got it that future glory is going to reign in your home and it's going to reign in God's house and the peace of God that passes all understanding is going to be there hallelujah oh I couldn't wait to tell you this all week God's got it you might want to write that verse down, Haggai 2, 8 and 9. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it in your mir- on your mirror in your bathroom. Put it in your car so that you can see that the future glory
0: is going to be greater than the past glory. That means God's got your future. I want to pray for you right now. And then we're going to sing a song. When I conclude this prayer. We're going to sing a song that said, there's a cloud forming. <laughs> there's a cloud. It's not, it's not physical rain that's coming our way. It's a spiritual rain that God's going to do. That future glory is making his way to our way. Amen? Hallelujah. Let me pray. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for your word. Because, God, you said it was true. And, and Lord, every man be a liar, but you're true. And, God, today we receive it today that future glory (laughs) is coming our way. It's coming our way. It's going to be greater than anything we've ever experienced in the past. Oh, our sons and daughters are going to rise up and walk in you. Oh, God, we just see your children and grandchildren calling on you. And God, those that are feeling without hope, oh God, are going to be renewed with your strength.